Welcome to Wingtorn. This is a story of a young man with an oath to avenge his parents, a young woman hiding secrets in her blood, and the intertwining fates of three on a mission to prevent all-out war between humans and the Fae. Because what fell before will rise again. This is a fantasy serial podcast. Written and performed by Claire C. Marshall. Book 3, Arrest. Chapter 5, Fingal. Fifteen years ago. Fingal had been sick plenty as a child. Seldom had he hurled up his guts as he had aboard the ferry rolling the choppy seas on the two-day journey to Lertzkra on the southern tip of the Drottitched Isle. He rolled on his side and tried to keep the meager bread he'd just consumed down. Brendan, lying below Fingal on the bottom bunk, groaned in equal misery. Fingal couldn't wait to get to the part of his life when he wasn't dragged from one part of the continent to another, sleeping in forests, inns, and boats, and traveling to find or complete work. He didn't want that for himself, and he certainly didn't want that for the girl. Before they'd left Ashdown, Nora had protested, begged Fingal to leave Riona with her. After all, she'd argued, Fingal and Brendan were going to the Isle to look for work. Would it not be an inconvenience to care for the girl as well? Nora had married Dunnock Dunma, son of a wealthy, entrepreneurial Islander family whose business held opportunities on the Isle for former brigaders like Fingal and Brendan. Although momentarily sad to leave his sister Nora and her husband's family, Brendan had embraced the exceptionally long trek from Ashdown, the small hamlet in the southern half of the continent, up to the port town of Drawway, to catch the ferry to Lertzkra on the Isle. Fingal was happy for the excuse to leave with Riona in tow. Nora's wails had had little effect on him. So early the following morning, Fingal, Brendan, and young Riona had escaped Ashdown, and the ever-constant scrutiny of Captain Galen Stovall, the Imperial Guard, who had his suspicions about Fingal and the girl. For the first few days, Fingal breathed easier than he had in a while, ever since Riona's mother had forced Riona upon him on Liberation Day in the castle. Brendan didn't know Riona's real name or her mother's tyrannous heritage. But that was a lighter set of secrets to carry compared to her large violet wings. They seemed to grow larger and wispier each day, along with her confidence to hover just out of his grasp. Every night he coaxed her to the forest floor to sleep, afraid he would wake to find her stuck in the trees. Fingal and Brendan carried a substantial sum of Ergid to pay off any outstanding debt on the Dunma's behalf and negotiate further work that had to be done. 
Malay Dunma, Nora's mother-in-law, had encouraged them to jump on business opportunities should they present themselves. An opportunity for both young men. While the Dunmoth's faith in their ability to sniff out business opportunities made Fingal uneasy, Brendan proceeded to take Malay's generosity as if it had been divinely ordained. In every town they happened by, Brendan scoured the taverns and less-than-reputable hidey-holes of any community, hoping for a lick of worthy work or reputable connections. Along the way, they met many Imperials and former brigaders traveling back home from the front lines. They shared food and stories with the brigaders and kept their distance from the Imperials. All in all, it had been a weary two days at sea. Brendan and Fingal had both fallen ill. The child held her own, and when neither of them could rise from their private berth, Fingal had insisted they spring for it, what with Riona's condition. Riona was content to explore the vessel. When Fingal would wake and she wasn't there, he would become convinced she was captured or discovered by humans. Only when his worry peaked would she cheerfully bound into the closet of a cabin to recount a rambling story of a fish she had spotted or a crewman who had said something crass on deck. Don't people notice she's... different? Brendan asked, when Riona was off exploring the ferry, and when both men were well enough to form coherent sentences. They notice. They're just too polite to say. Fingal grunted in reply. Brendan wiped spittle from his mouth, and then smelled himself wrinkling his nose. I'm not sure that's politeness. No one would think to know what she really is. Do you think there are more like her? That the half-breeds are not all, uh, deformed? Fingal closed his eyes. This was too heavy a discussion for their current state. I don't know. I'm trying to remember if we knew any. I mean, I certainly saw some half-fay children when we were small, but... They were taken by the Imperials, or given up by the parents. But the children wouldn't have lived long anyway, right? Because of the inherent, uh, incompatibilities? I don't know, Fingal repeated. It was too raw to think about. He rolled over. A mistake. He heaved over the side of their bunk. Nothing came. Iris must know. I'll ask her. Later. Fingal sighed. It was bad enough that Fingal was still lying to Brendan about Riona's name. The girl seemed to know Fingal wasn't ready to trust his dearest friend with all of Riona's secrets. That she was the daughter of the evil queen Catriona, the very fae the humans had fought against, had been liberated from. We'll, uh, we'll have to find a place to stay. I hope Lertzgra has somewhere bigger than this room for us. A rare silence, then, before Brendan ventured. Should we get two rooms or one? Fingal considered this. One saves Erjid, which we could use to get Iris new clothes. I 
Could use new trousers and new shirts as well, Brendan said, sounding hopeful. If you wanted two rooms for the girl, you know, uh, that would be all right with me. What was Brendan getting at? If you want two rooms for whatever reason, that's fine by me. We, we just have to come up with the Erjid to pay for it. Well, well, no, we should just save the Erjid and, and just have one. Now Brendan sounded stressed. All right, Fingal said slowly, unsure if this was an argument and what exactly he was arguing for or against. One room is fine. Like I said, we don't even know what it'll be like when we get there. If Malay's contact will come through. Apparently, he's been managing most of their Isle affairs, so why wouldn't we trust him? Brendan interrupted eagerly. We have a lot to gain from this. This is an amazing opportunity for us. It'll all be fine in the end. You'll see. A day later... Fingal glimpsed real opportunity as the three of them disembarked by ferry by way of a steep ramp onto the docks of Lertzkra. He held Riona close as travelers swarmed the port. Some reunited with their families. Others hurried for the only two ferries in service between the Dratitched Isle and Drazanian, the continent. With Riona, Fingal navigated the storm of people with ease, as he had when he was an orphan living on the streets of the capital. Brendan was captivated by everything and everyone, his eyes popping out of his skull as he took in the sights, smells, and sounds of the isle. Lertzkra was also known as Lertz, or Lertz Rock, to folks from the continent. Fingal had not expected the sheer number of people populating this isle city, Granted, he knew little about the isle itself, having spent his life under Zanian, the largest populated landmass in the known world. Fingal noted the nearby shipyards and the skeletons of three new ferries, two similar to the one they had just arrived on, and one so grand it had to be for a noble. Signs lined the outside of the building. Looking for workers, inquire within. They could learn a whole new trade if it meant good wages, stability for Fingal and Riona. And now, Brendan, a short, muscular young man with black, curled hair cropped around his face, called them by name and flagged them down, leading them out of the thick of the bustle. My apologies, Mr. Kentonaw would have met you here himself, but he's quite absorbed today. I'm Aphron Brentonaw. I'll take you to his office. This Aphron fellow did resemble many of the islanders around them, with their dark curly hair and fair, pale skin. Before Fingal could confirm this person's identity, Brendan readily agreed to follow the young man, who escorted them off the boardwalk, onto the main dirt road parallel to the docks, to a large, dark carriage pulled by two horses. Is that ours? Riona asked in wonder. Fingal gritted his teeth as he boarded the cramped quarters with Brendan, and his tender stomach lurched once more as they traveled along the bumpy cobblestone, deeper into Lertzkra. 
Aphrin sat in the front and directed the horses. Fingal took up a whole seat, and Brendan squeezed in across from him. Fingal wasn't certain what to do with his knees. They nearly touched Brendan's seat. Riona sat on top of Fingal and craned her neck to look out one window, then another, as the rows of shops and houses and other carriages whipped by, her large violet eyes taking in this strange new environment. Another bump smashed Fingal's head against the top of the carriage. I hope this is worth it. Brendan stifled a laugh. I'm just happy we're back on solid ground. We're not quite that yet. Are we going to live here? Riona asked. Maybe, Fingal replied. As Brendan said, we're here to find the best jobs to earn a living, not to settle down. Fingal hesitated. The girl looked him up and down and frowned, as she often did when reading his emotions. She did this instinctively, at annoyingly inopportune moments. Why does that make you sad? She asked him in her small voice. The carriage turned and rolled to a stop outside a large gray building. Fingal didn't wait for their escort. Gripping Riona securely, he opened the carriage door. Brendan caught his arm. What does she mean? You want to settle here? Fingal's face flushed hot. He gently wrenched himself from his friend's grip. Brendan would never want what he wanted. Brendan had drunk and cajoled his way from Ashdown to Drawway, and he'd enjoyed it. That was the life he wanted. Fingal was tired of trekking across the land, tired of the secrets he carried, wanted somewhere to lay them down with security and peace of mind, knowing he and the girl could sleep through the night without waking to the blade of an enemy at their throat. Aphrin reappeared before Fingal could form a coherent answer that Brendan would accept. Fingal distanced himself from the carriage, numbly following their guide inside a large gray building situated in the middle of the town. The air was noticeably less salty here. They were some distance inland. Inside was not an office or storefront or even a home as Fingal had expected, but a hospital. He'd missed the sign outside. Now his senses were assaulted. As he made conscious efforts to put one foot in front of the other, the past flashed before him, fellow brigaders with burns induced by magical fire and unfrazzled nurses assuring near-dead soldiers they were going home soon. The sounds of war and torment all around him, the smell of the dead and the herbs holding together the living— the scars littering his body ached as he recalled the face of each person who had mended him. Some now spirits. Some just gone. The girl squeezed his hand, and he realized those people, those wounds, were not here and now. Two large, frosted windows shone mid-afternoon sun onto the cot stuffed inside the warehouse-sized room. Overhead skylights 
large enough to crawl through, provided ample light for the two nurses, clothed in red and white, to tend to the patients. It was not the chaos of an imperial-directed healer's tent, nor the makeshift rows of bodies in a hidden clearing where brigadier medics tended wounds with scavenged herbs. This hospital smelled of citrus, and the cots were dressed with fresh linens. No bloodstains in sight. Someone was screaming. And that someone wasn't human. The patients, a sparse few considering the size of the room, were fey. Even through their wounds, dressings, and cobbled-together attires, he spotted on each of them the pips of the fey militia. Chos, or literally, foot soldier, was the lowest-ranking position in the fey militia and had several sub-ranks, depending on whether they were part of the ground or air forces. As far as Fingal could tell, none of them had a higher rank than Syathan Chos, someone with airstrike experience who might command ground forces. Not exactly the most prestigious or desired job for creatures born to fly. Why are they here? Brendan asked Aphron as their pace quickened. A door was just in front of them. Fingletoo was ready to escape when the screaming fay leapt off her cot and dove in front of them. She dropped flat on sterile tiled floor, wings trembling and pressed against her back, wailing, speaking fervently in her mother tongue. Fingal felt the girl's little palm grow sweaty, but brave Riona stood her ground as the crying fae soldier repeated the same words through her sobs. Fingal couldn't understand her, for his knowledge of the fae tongue was limited. She gazed up at Riona for help, but Riona had frozen, her lavender face paler than ever. Aphron's face held no surprise at the Fae soldier's behavior. Sorry about this, nurse. A human man, who had been soothing another Fae patient, promptly helped the Fae soldier to her feet. She struggled and tried to reason with him, but didn't seem to speak any human tongue. It's all right, Fingal told a fearful Riona. She won't hurt you. Let's go. Riona shook her head, but didn't resist his gentle tug on her hand. The other fey patients, Fingal counted six, quietly took in him and Riona from their cots. Some bowed their heads to her. Others averted their eyes and hid beneath their blankets. Fingal didn't need the fey tongue to understand all of them had recognized the girl. You're listening to Wingtorn. Today's episode is brought to you by The Violet Fox, a young adult fantasy novel by Claire C. Marshall. If you enjoy Cinderella stories with castle intrigue, magic, and a little bit of romance, 
Visit thevioletfoxseries.com to read the first three chapters now. That's thevioletfoxseries.com. And now, Wingtorn continues. The door before them opened, revealing a narrow corridor and an older, well-dressed gentleman with a long nose and impeccably trimmed gray beard. The chattering of Faye's soldier grew quieter, and even the nurses stopped talking at his presence. His expensive suit, white and red lab coat, and commanding aura made him either the lead physician, or lead administrator, or perhaps both. His piercing gaze settled upon Fingal, Brendan, and finally Riona. As Fingal took a step forward, he found his leg enveloped by the terrified, embarrassed half-fay child. Her face pressed against his shin, her tiny hands digging like claws into his trousers. Her silent tears soaked the fabric. The man in the doorway regarded this with cool interest. Come on. Fingal hoisted the girl up into his arms with no resistance and carried her to the door to greet the man. But instead of introducing himself, he gestured wordlessly to Afrin, disappeared to the end of the hallway, and ventured up a set of stairs. Afrin needlessly asked them to follow, and Brendan and Fingal quickly obliged, leaving the nurses to their work. Did the Fey patients regard Riona as their rightful regent? What if the Fey queen had entrusted her daughter to Fingal, knowing he would bring her here to a cunning, if not indisposed, group of Fey, where they would take her away? Fingal and Brendan climbed the stairs, trudged down another hallway, and entered the well-dressed man's office. A simple wooden desk, piled with organized stacks of paper, met them. Tomes lined shelves on every free wall that was not covered in a landscape painting or a bizarre set of masks or other strange artifacts. Everywhere Fingal looked, there seemed to be something new to take in. Twin windows on either side of the room fed the office afternoon sun and had faded even more organized stacks of paper on the floor. Behind the desk, the man stood and thumbed his work contemplatively, barely acknowledging their presence as they entered. Gentlemen, this is Dr. Paul Cantona, head of the Cantona clan and master of Danma affairs for the Isle. I'll leave you to it. Aphron inclined his head to the well-dressed gentleman and left the room. "'Your names?' Kentina asked pointedly. His accent was rounded, dulled from speaking the Drazanian tongue. This told Fingal that he had spent formative years on the continent and not on the isle, as the islander tongue was rough and guttural. "'Fingal Morpleth, this is my friend, Brendan Dorr.' And this is my ward, Iris. He set the girl down once Aphron had shut the door behind them. 
taking them in and frowning slightly at Riona's cautious saunter to the large window overlooking the street below, he gestured to the two seats in front of his desk. I received a letter from Marley a week ago explaining your arrival. I expected you sooner. Brendan and Fingal sat, and as Fingal fumbled in his belt pouch for additional documents and the Ergid entrusted to them, Brendan launched into a gesture-filled excuse. Since the Donma gave us a bit of extra Ergid for the journey, we availed ourselves of some inns instead of sleeping in the forest all the time, since we had enough of that, as you probably know. Then the boat was late coming into drawway, and we had to wait... Kentana raised a large hand, and Brendan's story halted. I don't require an account of your journey. Travel and trade are being re-established with Jazanian and the Fey archipelagos as well. I have my hands full. He indicated to his paper-laden desk, and paid a curious glance to Riona again, who had positioned herself by the window and became fascinated with the going-ons below. Uh, right, Brandon said nervously. Fingal leaned forward, eager to get to the point so they could escape Kentana's burgeoning curiosity about the girl. The Dunmas, the Dunmas hinted you might have some work for us here on the aisle, helping with Dunma affairs, or maybe something under Zanian. He trailed off under Cantona's gaze. The man stared directly into him, not unlike the way Riona did, like the blaring sun into a festering wound. Brigotas, I take it, Cantona said finally. They nodded. The isle was officially neutral in the war. Quite the stir in the Dunmar families when they heard their son, Donok, had joined the Citizens' Brigade on the continent. He wasn't the only one. The brigade was strong here, too. Better that, said some, than signing your life away to an imperial king on Drazanian soil. He smiled bitterly and leaned forward. I do have some work for you, if you'll take it. You met my patients on the way in. Fay, unusual for you brigaders to see, I expect. The Fay in a human hospital? Not so here. Though we are usually more discreet about their treatment, not all humans are as sympathetic to the wounded. One must be mindful of any and all political implications of one's actions, especially now. I have been contacted by remnant members of Queen Catriona's court who claim that we, specifically I, the hospital, are holding Fay prisoners here, and they want to see their swift return to the archipelagos. So why not send them back? Brendan asked. It doesn't appear they want to return, Kentina said tactfully. Most are well enough to walk out of here. They are not prisoners, and yet they remain. These court remnants, they're afraid these chos will talk, 
expose Fay's secrets? Finkel asked carefully. Kentina inclined his head. Perhaps. In any case, great care must be exercised. I survived this war by remaining neutral, officially, and opening my door to the humans and the Fae who needed urgent care. I will not jeopardize my economic futures with these Fae nobles, if indeed that is who they are. What kind of job is this, then? You want us to kill these Fae royalists? Brandon looked nervous now. He couldn't stop glancing at Riona, who remained flat against the wall, staring at the floor, but she listened intently, Fingal knew. Kill? No. He re-evaluated Brendan and Fingal. These Fay have sent word that they plan to visit the hospital. I cannot forbid them from doing so, though I cannot say what they might do when they arrive. What trouble they may cause for my patients. They'll take them by force, or kill them in their beds, Fingal said. Possibly. Since you come on the Dunmach's recommendation, perhaps you'd be willing to watch over my patients for the next few days, at least until I can determine whether these fey royalists are a threat, and until I can place you within the Dunmah affairs and prepare a reply for you to deliver personally back to Ashdown. Brendan readily accepted, and as the two negotiated a fair wage and lodging for the three of them, Fingal returned his attentions to the young half-fay. Court fay coming here? If the Chos downstairs recognized Riona, her mother's former inner circle would most certainly know the girl on sight. Would they suspect the girl was still alive? Did they know Queen Catriona was still out there in hiding? The queen had given Riona to him, and not a member of her court, explicitly so Riona would not be mistreated in the name of power, what if those fey royalists knew Fingal had the child, and they had somehow tracked Fingal here to take her away? Would that be Queen Catriona's will? With all due respect, Fingal interrupted Brendan suddenly. If a group of fey who very well may have magic at their disposal attack your hospital, I, I don't see how our presence would make a difference. They may perform an airstrike, burn everyone inside. Kentina seemed to appreciate the strategic insight. I do not believe they would have written me if they had planned to do that. They know the Fae are here. I think they will brute force the issue, or sweet-talk their way into getting what they want. You have fought the Fae in close range, Seeing former brigaders may make them think twice about rash action. Brendan snorted. I don't think they're afraid of us. Perhaps not, though they may have a kind of respect for you. The brigade was first 
to the battlefields, fighting with their minds and their guerrilla tactics as the Imperials shuffled their papers and soldiers from place to place, as if that would scare the common chos. He turned to Riona then. He did not brighten his face, as most adults did when talking to her. He spoke to her as he had Fingal and Brendan. Do you know what Milikruach is? Riona lifted her head and blinked. It is a treat popular with the young isle children. We exported several tons of it last week, and there is more in our warehouse. I could have some brought for you. The young girl understood treats. Yes, right away, please. Iris, after you eat, and after we get you some new clothes. Fingal cautioned her. I saw a dress in a shop window over there. Will it be made for me? She asked, pointing at the glass pane. Brendan couldn't hide his amusement. Kentina didn't laugh, but he wasn't uncharmed either. He nodded, accepting this answer as he had accepted any other. Fingal's grip tightened on the chair. Will it be made for me? If that didn't blare her royal status to the world, what did? Under no circumstances would she be traipsing around in clothing fit for a princess, not when the fae downstairs knew who she was. We'll talk about it later. Riona pouted, suspecting he had lied, though Fingal was in no mood for it. Speaking of attire, Brendan said, could you uh, recommend a place for us to acquire some extra clothing or a weaponsmith for better weapons? They had just enough airjid to forge a new weapon. Perhaps the girl was old enough to be taught to use a knife, unless she'd already had training. I'll speak to my associates about securing you clothing, Kentana said. I personally find it easiest to have things brought to. With one swift movement, Riona pointed up at the window. Hey! Fingal abandoned his chair in a fit of rage and fear and scooped Riona into his arms protectively. For there in the window was a young, round-faced fay child, his dark green wings aflutter as he pressed against the glass, taking in each of them in turn with quick, golden eyes. He waved at Riona and took to the skies in triumph. listening to Wingtorn. This episode was written, performed, and produced by the author, Claire C. Marshall. The Wingtorn theme music was composed by Cloud Road Music, and additional music is by Irene Chan. For sponsorship or advertising inquiries, or to learn more about my books, please visit wingtorn.com. <laughs>